we didn't. We'd just be kind of groups of little tribes that uh, would be enclosed on themselves. Always a migration, migratory experience. It seems to bring change and development. And of course, when you're migrating, then there's going to be conflict because you're there's the people who have you come into my land and if I'm an unenlightened being and I, I have to force you off it it really can see when you like the Treaty of Paris The European power is dividing up North America without consulting the Indians at all. You know, I want this, and the British want that. <coughs> Imagine just going in and saying, "This belongs to me." It's announcing it, you know, not, not even not, not even consulting the people living there. Incredible um, <coughs> conceit of nationalism. Was it Magellan or something like that? Announced that he, the whole of the South America belonged to Spain. Cortez <laughs> claimed Pacific Ocean. We are going to do the mother's Reflecting on it, then you you take the word itself and you, you observe what they just the kind of reactions you have to that word. You know, like it shouldn't be war or wars are bad or this kind of 
tends, especially people like ourselves, who are living very peaceful, moving towards peace and morality and non-violence. <coughs> but then in reflective mind you can you can investigate. Because you the uh, it's like so much of peace movement, wasn't it? Was yeah, at least when I was involved in it was was anti war and and in that kind of anti war stand there was a, a blindness. Because the, there was a tendency to to be very warlike about people who make wars. So that this is, if you don't understand how things work, then you, even even the most uh, adamant peace activists uh, tend to be very warlike people if they don't if they don't uh, understand what they're doing. They're just condemning something from an already formed opinion. The, the reflective mind then is, allows you to to contemplate these things and look at things from different angles. They, what is, you could say, what are the good things of a war? And then maybe you don't want to think such a thought. You know, war's bad, it's completely bad. It should be outlawed, there shouldn't be any, it was always wrong. And so then they is a strong kind of maybe emotional aversion to it. If you're very if you're very attached to the idea of peace. Very idealistic uh, attitude towards peace. But it is not to be wishy washy and and to uh, to to not have it you know, to justify it. Not a justification of war, but an investigation of that. And as you want, you know, because the war really is, a, is an internal one, isn't it? It's what goes on in the, in the mind of an individual that manifests outwardly into a, a group. Like if I'm in conflict with somebody, uh, you know, I mean, say I'm, I'm not reflecting on my motives or intentions or desires at all, but I'm just, I suddenly feel uh, a, a great aversion and anger towards somebody, and I'm not reflecting on it, watching it. There's a, there's a war going on in me, and that person should be punished. And then, then I can't help but try to draw you in on it. Unnecessary. That person, do you know what he did? He did, he did the most terrible thing. Then I'm trying to, to intimidate you into saying he should be punished. I'll go to Ajahn Santa and do the same thing. So you you're trying to form sides, and maybe the person who the recipient of my anger is is also finding <coughs> sympathetic souls for him or her. So then you get a, then you get a, a faction or a, a war in a community like this. You could have <coughs> a, a schism just by by that kind of behavior. Now, if, if we're reflecting on it, then there's not much of a danger of that happening. If one, one does feel maybe somebody should be punished or somebody shouldn't be doing what they're doing or things like this. But we're, we're more interested in looking at the feelings in our mind and, and then, then trying to form a vigilante committee to hang them. Now this is, this is the power of reflection. Then you can then you can start reflecting on the, what the person did. Was it all that bad? Or maybe you're overreacting. You know, I could see very strong tendencies in myself to overreact to something. So somebody said something I didn't like. I could just say, <gasps> go into kind of a a real strong overreaction to something relatively minor. 
when you when you actually reflected on what they said or what they did, it wasn't you know what if the reaction was was over the top. My reaction would be sometimes be over the top to the actual. If you if you reflected, you could see that. But if you overreact to something, then and you draw people into it, then it's hard to back down, isn't it? So you you tend to want to support and increase the the. Uh, that's what a lot of wars begin with, isn't it? Somebody overreacts, and then and then uh, draws a whole nation into supporting their their overreaction. So you end up kind of drawing two nations into a conflict, as what like the Iraqi Iran war. But then you contemplate being human is like this. War is a part of our human experience. Conflict, anger, indignation. All this is very much a part of every human uh, human being's experience. Whether you, no matter how peaceful you might want to be, or how aggressive and warlike you might be, we all have uh, we all have to deal with a certain amount of conflict and struggle. And Indignation, anger, aversion, resentment. This is just this is what being human is about. Having been born, living on this planet, the way it is, with the way human beings happen to be at this time, and then you can like they used to find scapegoats. They they find some group or somebody to blame it on, and they could be persecuted. That that makes it so that you can kind of push it away from yourself because you're not reflecting on your mind. You just, it's it's uh, you want to see it. I see it myself. A, a strong tendency to want to blame somebody, have somebody their fault, rather than look look at myself. But it's sometimes really unpleasant have to look and admit and watch and see all kinds of conceit and not very nice unpleasant things in yourself when it, when it's, you feel much more kind of self-righteous when you can look at the faults in somebody else get somebody go to somebody and say you know what he did it's terrible it's a terrible person somebody like that shouldn't should never be allowed to be a monk not like that and then so you, you can get very indignant and, and, and then you're always you're talking about somebody else rather than having to look at yourself you can see in this retreat just sitting hour after hour day after day having to look at yourself what is it? is it a lot of fun? Is it is it really are is it really wonderful to to just you know it would be we could get really get excited by blaming somebody else sense of uh, of that self righteous feeling we we can really look and deride and criticize and blame somebody else. That gets us away from having to look at ourselves. So looking at oneself in the, is is is, uh, is very. It has to. You have to have that determination and willingness to look at and bear with and accept boredom and restlessness and conceit and all kinds of subtleties. Of that, that you just uh, would never notice if you if you were busy just criticizing everyone else or trying to set the world straight, uh, external world, make it right, and do everything to be concerned about everything external to you, you 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 would miss out on seeing a lot of the kind of 
dreariness and fears and dullness and, and restlessness and, and conceits and little subtle forms of conceit and pride. And none of these are self. That's what the reason why you get bogged down with them is because you still make judgments about them. You still easily, you know, almost automatically interpret it all from the self position rather than the Dhamma, the not self, is a nature to Karnaka. Maybe Gaddafi fulfilled that for the Americans. They can have a criticize him, not have to look at themselves. <laughs> And yet the human mind is quite capable of that. They have this magnificent mind that can that can just adapt and expand and and embrace and or it can just be very narrow. It's very uh, very small mind, very narrow and rejecting everything that doesn't quite fit into the narrow limits you attach to. That's one extreme, this very narrow-minded, uh, blinkered view of life. And then to the mindfulness, where they, where, and the reflectiveness, the wisdom, using of wisdom. So that in the human, human realm, it, you can see why uh, some people very much attached to positions and to very limited views and to maybe the status quo or the, the, the conservative line, the tradition or the, the very, what, what is considered normal and proper. And then anything that challenges that is anathema, is heresy. Oh, it can be so idealistic, so high-minded, we're, it's like we're being so broad, we're flat. We just have no depth at all, which is kind of like a, a film over everything. There's absolutely no depth to anything, because we, we're, just, we're just accepting everything as an idea, as equal, and as, as just uh, not... not uh, not looking in depth or in understanding of anything, of the, of the way things are. So there's a kind of high-minded shallowness that we can, those are the two extremes, in a very narrow, fixed view and a very high-minded, broad-minded, uh, but uninformed, uh, non-reflective idealism. But we can we can see both tendencies in ourselves. I see, see that, you know, other than 
they thinking he's that way and she's that way. Mm-hmm. One can see that in certain issues one is very attached to a particular position. And one is very, very, doesn't have much vision. If you feel very angry or indignant or threatened mm-hmm. by some, some kind of challenge or threat to you, it's because you're entrenched in a particular view. And then there's, then there's, also, I have very high-minded idealism. I'd be very idealistic. All is love. We should just all love each other. We should never fight, and we should, we shouldn't hate. We're Karanimeta Sutta. We should look at each other always as brothers and sisters, as uh, treasures of the Dhamma. We should always uh, be kind and helpful and good to each other, shouldn't we? Then you get very, very high-minded, beautiful ideas of of, uh, how everything should be. And then reflecting on this, one can one can find, you know, that that because of the changing nature of things, a position, a fixed position, only only damages you. To be just ta- attached to that high-minded view that we should all love each other, uh, and, and we shouldn't fight, and we shouldn't quarrel, we should always be kind. Then we're then we're always going to be upset by anything less than the absolute best behavior from everyone all the time and oneself included. <laughs> we're always going to be kind of whinging. Why do they have to do that? Why? Why do I have to be like this? <laughs> Why can't we just love each other and more? <laughs> So that, that with the Nietzsche Dukanaka, the Dry Lakana, then you can, you can begin to see how things are, the condition, the unconditioned, how things relate, and why things are the way they are, and why we can't attach to an ideal position and force everything to be what we want it to be as an ideal, why we have to learn how to bend and advance and retreat and learn how to stand still and sit still and, and, and be flexible and malleable rather than just attaching to the finest ideal that we can think of and, and try to impose it on every situation in life. doesn't work, does it? It just, it's just a total impossibility. So, this is this is we reflect, this is the realm of sensitivity, change, impermanence, unsatisfactoriness. There's nothing satisfying in this realm. There's no we don't there's nothing that can satisfy there's nobody that can satisfy us. There's no thing that can satisfy. Us. There's no material thing, no mental idea, no no person, no government, no whatever that is uh, maybe momentarily gratifies about the best you can expect, and after that is still the same old thing: discontentment, restlessness, doubt, anguish, despair. <laughs> they have not that there's anything wrong with with this realm, but this is the way this realm is. There's nothing wrong with it and with uh, things being impermanent and unsatisfactory to us. Is that if, if we could find satisfaction in this realm, then we would never ever get beyond it, would we? We'd always settle for what satisfies us permanently. But because this isn't satisfactory to us, we always there's no way we're going to ever be satisfied with it. So that we're always forced to say rise up beyond just uh, 
the material world or relationship or uh, or the best that, that this life has to offer is still unsatisfactory to us. So that that we have to you know because none of these things are satisfactory themselves and it forces us to look beyond it. So in one way you can see the the Anicca Dukkha Nata is a and, and the, the like the Devadutas, uh, old man, old person, uh, sick, and a sick sick person. And the pictures of the old man bent over, like Rupala, the holding a stick, white hair, shriveled up body, no teeth, sunken cheek. Arthritic. Well, we all have to look forward to. Oh, we have some examples. <laughs> and then we, then we, uh, then the sick. Some of you experienced the really uh, powerful pains and and miserable sickness, even when you're quite young and healthy. The beginning of this retreat was the with the Devaduta uh, virus. <laughs> that wasn't a really virus, that was a Devaduta. <laughs> but the payment really brought to him, didn't it? Couldn't be him for days. <laughs> Contemplating the Devaduta. This, that, sickness where you vomiting or diarrhea and pain and, and everything's miserable can't sleep or fevers and, and the excretions of your body having to lie there they, you know, in, the, in the miserable excretions of your own body it's horrible isn't it You're just throwing up and, and, and defecating having to lie there all these these things within us aren't they when they come out <laughs> You want to get rid of them. As long as they stay inside. That's the second day of the so Then the third is the corpse. We don't have anyone to kick under the salary. <laughs> then the then the monk, the samana, sitting under the tree. So these are the these are the, the these are the signs, the messengers to us of of the unsatisfactoriness of this realm. They, they, even a king, a queen, uh, a totally successful person, the richest, the most beautiful, the most gifted, the most talented, as well as the the uh, meanest, most unfortunate human being. We all end up in the same place. Old age, sickness, death. <coughs> so everybody has to, unless you die young, and. Uh, by an accident, so I mean you don't, you're not really sick, but you might get suddenly knocked off while you're young and good-looking and healthy. But the majority of us <laughs> have to get old, get sick, die. <coughs> then the then the monk, the samana, the religious seeker, is the. Not many people will choose that as a. But most most human beings seem to want to suppress the Devaduta, the messengers, not pay attention to them. But the spiritual life, very much, these are the heavenly messengers to us. So they're, they're the ones that they make us really reflect. What is this about? You know, this, we're all going to go that way. So we start contemplating it, even when we're young and healthy. 
because it's something awakens in us and the delusions, attachments of the sensory realm and all that are no, no longer so so uh, strong so powerful of it and the cessation of conditioned realm the realization of cessation and this some of you you know it's, it's, it's as an ideal it's, it's very nice isn't it but actually the conditions of our mind body are so restless that to be really peaceful and let things just cease in us is, is, it's a nice idea isn't it like the idea of it, but actually do it takes very determination and patience, willing to endure, and willing to uh, endure what you think you can't endure. And then the doubting mind, no, this is a waste of time. I could be doing something, or the inner whisperings and so forth. Well, oh, wait, the restlessness. This isn't good enough. It has to be more than this. I don't. This isn't what I was expecting. I was expecting something better than this. I wanted permanent happiness, and bliss, rapture ecstatic rapture and the kind of con continuous way of living one's life. Imagine what that would be like. Having to go to the toilet while you're in a state of ecstatic rapture. <laughs> Sometimes it's not, it's really nice not to be in, in any, in any extreme state at all. It's the calm, the peacefulness. The, the, you know, this is where you, your, your idea of what you'd like, sometimes based on, on a childlike dream of paradise, with the permanent ice cream shop and the sweets hanging from the trees. Just pick them off. Your, your wish all your wishes coming true immediately. Wish fulfilling gem. Everything you say, I want this, there it is. The wish for that, there it is. Everything you wish for. But when you contemplate that as a way of living, you think that would be pretty horrible, wouldn't it? So while well, you just have this clutter around you. <laughs> <laughs> but we, yes, this is. Uh, Modern Britain. <laughs> it's not as nice as it can be, as we expected it to be. Is it? Not as expected it to be much better than this. 
when, when everybody was literate, when all the British were could read and write, and there's proper parliamentary government, and, and everybody has a television, everybody has a car, and everybody has everything they want. That would be really wonderful. Nobody will envy anyone, will they? And uh, we'll just have all this happiness. We can just enjoy life with our televisions, our cars, our, our good food, our beautiful homes. And, uh, and we have all the problems of traffic jams and as new problems, new kind of never conceived of before problems arise in the wish, in the desire realm, isn't it? It just gets more and more complicated. By practicing contentment, Breakfast. It's enough, isn't it? And the mind might think, oh, I wish we had something else, but you're not believing that. This is good enough. This is, this is all we need. We don't need all kinds of things. We, we don't have to go and be discontent with this because this is, this is good enough for our needs. It's adequate. And then where we live, where we stay, it's adequate. We're content with it rather than restless, following restless tendencies or envy. Somebody has a nicer place than you do. We're never lucky. What be content with it? Content with being where you are. And take this idea that then you can reflect the restlessness and discontentment of your mind, how you, you know, you, you can't be content with, with things as they are because you, you're caught in this, oh, this desire realm to want something that you don't have, want to be somewhere where you're not, want to hold on to what you have, and all it is, is the dukkha, the suffering, unsatisfactoriness. So when you penetrate that with wisdom, then moment by moment things are, you know, our life here is completely satisfied, if one can be completely content with it, if you're mindful. Doesn't mean, when you start thinking, you mean I've got to spend the rest of my life like this? Eating this brew in the morning, getting up at four o'clock in the morning, and never be li- listen to Mozart again, and, and staying here and under what need for a lifetime. And, oh, and the mind becomes very discontented when you project it into the future, isn't it? I don't think I can stand it. Having to be here for the rest of my life, I should just embarrass it. But nobody's saying that that you have to be here for the rest of your life. If you're lucky, maybe that will be the case. (laughs) (laughs) But most of us aren't very lucky. We have to change and move. We find ourselves uh, on other places. Reflection is when I was in Wapapo, 
years ago, I used to say, all I have to do is just sit here, watch the seasons change. That's rather pretty peaceful. The sense of having to do something, go some, learn something more, acquire something, have a mission in life, have, have uh, all kinds of, if a very ambitious person thought this was very strong kind of character tendency to, to, uh, to, to have this very restless, ambitious energy. Uh, and so, Wattmapong, at first I thought was the dreariest place in the world. What a dreary place. I'm going to spend the rest of my life here. I can bear it. Getting up at three in the morning, you had to get up at three in the morning, you had to go out on the palm ground, barefoot, walking on sharp stones. And then, what was that? Day after day after day after day, day, year after year. <laughs> Think of that way, then it was. Well, I couldn't stand it. But actually, it was once once you stopped uh, thinking in those unskillful ways, you one was found a joy in in the very ordinariness of that life. One one didn't find it burdensome, onerous, unpleasant. Because one mind was with what one was doing, it was good, it was wholesome, it was beautiful life, a way to live. Um, you know, with wise teacher, with good monk, with with uh, good lay people, and uh, the whole thing was when you contemplated it in that way, it was it was a was a was a really an honor to be there felt really grateful and honored that I could, that uh, they'd allow me to live there. That Ajahn Chah was kind enough to accept a, a, a foreigner, difficult, conceited, arrogant American. Well, that's what I used to think sometimes I was doing him a favor. Aren't you lucky to have me? And when thinking in the right way, one felt uh, grateful and, and a sense of that one felt really uh, honored by the fact that one could live with, with such a person and, and that people would support you and, and encourage you toward always doing the good thing and keeping the moral precepts and living the holy life. So that that's a that's a that's a joyful way. The other way, then I've got to live here the rest of my life. This place, hot, food isn't any good. Same old thing, day after day after day, year after year. And you look around you look at. Remember one time in the hot season, everything gets kind of moldy and stinky. And some of the monks robes and some of them began to stink. I thought the stronger version of they all kind of moldy. It's <laughs> 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 a horrible place. And here you are, thinking, hot, damp, humid place. Then one, one month, and it had a skin disease, an old packing and horrible place. He started looking at what was wrong with them. And then the, then uh, you just pick out once you start in that very negative state, you, you just find fault with everything. I can't say here. This is I'm, Wasting my time. This is this isn't the place for me. This is just this is a dead end. This is for idiots. <laughs> These people probably they just you know they're just farm boys. They probably you know they couldn't 
they couldn't make it in the world. It's probably just a chance to get off the get out of the vice party, and so they come become monks. You know, so they can just have a little better life. Cause that's all the that's all the options they have in, in the northeast of Thailand. But me, I mean, I I could go back to America and make lots of money. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get into a very negative, arrogant, conceited. Then the reflective, the skillful reflection is, is not on the stink or the skin problems or the or the uh, uh, particular limitations of the people around you or the society you're in, but an opportunity to hear the Dhamma and practice and keep the sila and to be encouraged and have. Uh, uh, lay people come and, and uh, take an interest in you when they don't even know you, come total foreigner, can't even say three intelligent words to them. And they still treat you in such respect and, and uh, are such uh, are generous. So that, that uh, then you start feeling gratitude rather than picking out this, say, I don't like this, I don't like that. Well, that's the positive and the negative, isn't it? So that one, when you when you reflect in that way, then you you find a contentment with yourself and with the way things are. Doesn't mean you're not blind. It doesn't mean you're you're blind to uh, to things that aren't all that good, but you're not making any problems because we're we're here for the holy life, for the understanding of Dhamma, not trying to get everything we want, make everything right according to the, the ideas of of how everything should be, if everything were perfect. So this is why uh, the, the reflection, uh, say, of monasticism isn't on that we've got the best of everything and that we have to have the very best, that we have rags, or we have rag robes, hogs food, shelter for the night, medicine, um, you know, this very basic, very uh, 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 it's lowest standard of rag, hogs food, root of a tree as a shelter and, and fermented urine as medicine. So that means we're not we're not saying it's gotta have the best medicine, is it? The best robe. Or it's not uh, it's not it's not saying that we have to only live on that level. We can only accept the worst. But it means that we we are not uh, we're not in this life to try to have a luxurious, easy, comfortable, uh, wish-fulfilling life on the sensory plane. And then we can watch our discontentment, our fears, our resentments, and critical faculties going berserk, and ingratitude, and and selfishness all become very apparent in this reflection of that we have. And then we can, when we're not so obsessed with our own problems ourselves, then we, then we, we, we find that sheer delight in Pamanu Pasana Satipatthana, just being able to contemplate life, the Dhamma, the way things are, and we're living. that's something really really lovely to be able to do with your mind, to be able to just contemplate life, existence, the Dhamma, the way things are. And because you're not uh, trying to get things for yourself and you're not making problems about life and out of delusion. So then you have this you can use your mind, your life as a as a way of of understanding and of and of serving others, helping others. If, if there's nobody, if there's nobody, if there's no self, what are we going to do with our lives? Well, help each other. Serve each other. 
if I don't need anything, don't want anything, I don't have to think about myself anymore, do I? But if I'm still caught up with myself, I've got to have this, I've got to have that, and and I need this, I want to go there, and I don't want to be here, and I can't, and I don't want to, you know, I, I'm this kind of a person, and I expect a certain amount of respect, and I expect to be treated in a certain way, and, and uh, blah, 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 and if I'm not treated properly, or not, well, then I'm going to leave. And I'm going to find another place where I can get what I want with my wish-fulfilling uh, dream. But if there's nobody uh, contented with, with fermented urine and so forth, and so most of the time, you know, in countries like this, they, they have very good medical facilities. So that there's there's, uh, then one can serve others, help others. And that's all there's left to do. If there's no self that you have to perpetuate, then what do you do with the rest of your life? With this thing, this form? It can be a great benefit. 